Alrighty, everybody. Good morning. And this is Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast. And we make our way through the NFC East. And it's come time, Wiz, for the NFC champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, tremendous season on the Nick Sariani last year. Unbelievable strides by Jalen Hurts. Uh, Eagles found themselves, uh, <laughs> could have easily won that Super Bowl. It didn't uh come the case hopefully they are not scarred by the jinx uh, of when teams drop a super bowl lots of changes on the defense they'll, they'll be a lot younger but a lot of big names have, have left philadelphia uh, but i think eagles fans still have reason to be very optimistic about the upcoming season was yeah i mean with the question marks at quarterback um for the 49ers and some of the other teams in the nfc their defensive situation teams like the lions and vikings uh, I can see why um, the Eagles are considered a prohibitive favorite to, um, again, get to the Super Bowl from the NFC. And uh, let's start with the head of the snake, um, Jalen Hurts, who is, you know, considered not only in the top three at fantasy football quarterback rankings coming in this year, but I, I, I've seen some some thoughts and some debates and arguments that he should be the first quarterback taken uh, because of his, not not necessarily that I agree with that, because of his running prowess and because of his rushing touchdowns. And as silly as it sounds, the NFL did not ban the tush push when they get down to the two or three yard line. And then, you know, with that elite offensive line, uh, they push uh, Jalen Hurts kind of like into the end zone. So uh, for those reasons, and, you know, those elite receivers that they have and Dallas Goddard at tight end, um, Jalen Hurts is inside top three, certainly at the position. Would you agree with that? A hundred percent, hundred percent. Jalen, I, you know, this is a player that I, when they, when they drafted him, I was extremely intrigued about that. Um, I like this player coming out of college. I think you're a little bit more hesitant about him. I'm not saying you didn't like him, but a little bit more hesitant. Uh, but I, I, you know, he has grown immensely. He seems, he just seems like a really polished guy and a really classy guy. It, it's nice to see someone. Uh, who appears humble. Um, he's been paid well, uh, but, uh, you know, the strides he's made, the position uh, are, are hard not to notice. And uh, good for him, good for the Eagles, and good for the Eagles fans. But, yeah, top top three guy for me was, uh, without question, that running, ba- you know, the, that running back aspect to him, 700 yards, 13 touchdowns, uh, on top of, like you said, the receiving core. It's, it's hard to not like a guy who produced, who produced 35 total touchdowns. I am really astonished how how much he has ascended and, and matured as a player. And uh, you know, look, yeah, by the way, Wiz, it doesn't that, mean that you were you were wrong. It's just like he's you know. No, no. But what, what I will say is, it, it, you know, it, he's he's outperformed my expectations. That I thought he'd you know be he's playing at a level that I did not think he'd be able to so early in his career. But that that AJ Brown trade, yeah. you know, not only getting a player like that, but like kind of moving Devontae Smith into that wise receiver. Like, everybody has, like, everything has fell into place, and uh, it, it just worked out perfectly, and that offensive line is just so dominant. And uh, let's get to the running backs, where you have an interesting situation. The top two guys at the top of the depth chart in terms of uh, running back DeAndre Swift and Richard Penny, uh, and then the three and four guys on the depth chart are two guys that have been there. So the top two are, are first-year players with the new team, and then Gainwell and Boston Scott, um, talented room, talented players, 
the thing with Penny and Swift, who are atop the depth chart, and neither guy has shown a tremendous durability, but uh, I kind of have Rashad, Pond, uh, Rashad Penny ahead of DeAndre Swift. I think they're going to use him more. He's produced when he's able to stay on the field, and boy, you just could think what that could look like with that offensive line if he could stay on the field. So kind of like Rashad Penny uh, and DeAndre Swift in that two, running back two range, running back three range. <clears throat> and at this point, Gainwell and Scott um, would become relevant if anybody else on that depth chart would get hurt. Do you see it the same, or do you have a stronger or a weaker opinion on any of those players? Wow, it's just, uh, I probably lean weaker, and not because of the talent of the players, it's just because of the abundance of the players. So that's where I my concerns come in. So so first of all, the, the Eagles are a team where, as a, as a Super Bowl entry for the NFC, you know, they lost Steichen, their offensive coordinator, lost Gannon, their defensive coordinator. So big changes afoot right there. Then they make the decision to not sign Miles Sanders, who had an incredible year after. And, and by the way, Miles Sanders ended up probably being a steal in almost every draft last year because is a player that had no touchdowns the previous season. Zero. Uh, last year, 11 touchdowns, almost 1,300 yards rushing. It's a completely different situation. But they go and make a decision, uh, an economic decision, if you will, uh, to bring in Swift, who's on his last year of his con- rookie contract, and Penny, who's on a one-year deal, um, to, uh, kind of a prove-it deal, a player that was drafted in the first round, not been able to stay healthy, but when he is healthy, just rolls off chunks of yards. Um, so that's kind of a two-headed monster. I, I don't know how to deem that. It seems uh, some reports from the beat reporters are saying that Swift is the clear one right now, but you know, an injury to any one of them kind of changes the complexion. And then you add Gainwell and Scott, who have kind of this uniqueness in their skill sets. So, you know, Gainwell will definitely be in the field um, in their two-minute drills. I think that's a player they have confidence in. He produced during the playoffs and in the Super Bowl. Uh, he can run. He averaged over four and a half yards carry. He can catch. He caught like 30 balls last year. So I, I think, and, and Boston Scott at times when he's been given, given given the ball, although he got ripped off for a touchdown in the Super Bowl, uh, not that he got not, it was the right call, but he 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 landed right at the goal line and, and fell short, so he didn't get credit for it. But I, I just think the problem is is having four guys there, and on a, there's going to be some weeks where you're going to be like, well, how the heck did that happen? So that's where my concern is, and why I'm a little bit more hesitant to kind of just automatically anoint one of those guys as a number two. So you're in, a, you're in a draft, in a snake draft, and, you know, your turn's up, and Swift and Penny are there, uh, and then your mind is kind of like uh, a gap back to anyone else, and you want to draft an Eagles running back with that offensive line, uh, Swift and Penny, who are you taking? I'm going to take Swift. Okay, interesting one. Uh, yeah, I don't necessarily have either of those two players inside my top 20, 25, kind of closer to 30 um, for either of them, but it, it's very, very close. But, but, you, but you do agree, you know, four guys that are going to be all used in that offense. Yeah, especially when Gainwell and Scott know the system and know what they want to do. So they have the advantage as far as that. And they're not going to just be standing next to the coach on the sidelines the whole game. They want to use Gainwell. They liked what he did last year. And I just don't remember when Boston Scott has gotten in there and not done something. He is a dynamic player as well. So, Wiz, you know one other thing? Like, you know one other thing, yeah. though? You know that Trey Sermon is actually making noise in camp? Yeah. Yeah, a player that we both uh, 
really loved uh, <laughs> in his rookie year. So yeah, I'm very interested to see who makes the roster if he if Trey Sermon does make the roster. Uh, that could get complicated. You just have the feeling looking at the top two guys on the depth chart. It's just so unlikely that both of those running backs are going to play 17 games. Correct. Uh, so you'll get the opportunity for some of these other guys. And where there is no question whatsoever about talent and ranking, A.J. Brown is inside top 10 in wide receiver in all formats. Devontae Smith, the perfect wide receiver, two in all formats. Nobody else in that receiving room, I think, is a starting wide receiver that should be drafted. So, A.J. Brown, inside the top 10 for me, wide receiver. Uh, Devontae Smith, somewhere between uh, 13 and 20 at wide receiver. So, wide receiver one, wide receiver two for me. Do you see it similarly, or do you have a slightly different variation on that? I, I love both players. Um... I, you know, you and I have talked about AJ Brown a lot on this podcast for sure. I, I, I would argue that in, I've even seen Devonta Smith a little further back than the kind of the number that you're. But I, I think he's further up. So I'm in agreement the way you're ranking him. I think he's right on the border of of kind of one A, if you will, or one A one B situation because down the field plays and I, he's he's just so dynamic and as you said, just the absolute. Perfect complement, these two. A.J. Brown and Devonta Smith could be as perfect a complement for each other as we've seen as, as receiving tandem. Um, I, I would call them the best tandem receiver in, in the league right now, quite frankly. Yeah, I think I'd probably not necessarily agree with that. I think I prefer Helen Waddle, but I think your point is well taken about the way they complement each other. The different things they do as a receiver. Yeah, like maybe, maybe, modeling. maybe more. That's where I'm going as far as compliments. Yeah, I, think, I think from a talent standpoint, just pure talent, you're going to take Hill and Waddle. But those two receivers kind of do the same thing. Um, they're, they're both kind of like unstoppable, so it really doesn't matter if they do the same thing. But, but to your point, Smith and Brown complement each other beautifully, and uh, it's uh, it, it's a reason why it works so well. So agree with you on that. Is there anyone else in the wide receiver room for the Eagles that interests you? Or I know Quez Watkins gets in there and he makes some plays, but uh, are you drafting any other receivers? No, no. I, yeah, Quez Watkins is going to be the number three guy. But, yeah, outside of that, it's not a wide receiver room. Actually, I'm actually trying to think who is number four here. Yeah, I don't know what, what – yeah, I mean, I, I certainly didn't really delve into it besides the top three. I mean, I just think the first two guys take up so much target share that beyond Quez Watkins, you're not really looking at it unless something was to happen to both of the Eagle receivers. But um, um, Oh, they, they, that, that's right. They brought Zacchaeus here. That's the guy they brought in. They brought Zacchaeus yeah, from Atlanta. The Falcons, right. Yeah, from the Falcons. But um, um, Dallas Goddard is an interesting player to me. Uh, he's just a rock solid guy. He doesn't have like, you know, people don't think of him. You think of uh, you think of Hawkinson and Mark Andrews and even even Waller and George Kittle before you start thinking about Goddard. But he's he's such a, a solid player within that offense. I really like him. I have him inside the top ten at tight end, somewhere you know six seven something along those lines. Uh, what's your view on Goddard, and, and where do you have him ranked? 
top five was uh, he missed five games last year, still had 700 yards receiving and 50-yard catches. If he stays healthy the whole season, it's a 1,000-yard season, and there's not many 1,000-yard receivers at the tight end position. So a healthy Dallas Goddard is uh, a top five tight end for me. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, I think with with what's been going on with George Kittle and the fact that they really count on him a lot more as a blocker uh, than anything else, uh, I could see that. So, uh, and, and I'll say and your, your your Kittle points even more interesting this year because the the San Francisco 49ers offensive line is going to be much weaker than they were last year. And George Kittle, unlike any other tight end in the league, I'm not talking about pass catching ability, but but way more so than Andrews and Hawkinson and Kelsey. He is a fierce fierce elite blocker that they use in the running game. It's just so difficult for the style that he plays that you think he's going to play a full season. So I can clearly understand why you would prefer uh, Goddard or your level of confidence um, in George Kittle making it through a season, you know, is is probably not that high. Um, And Daniel Arnold is behind Goddard. Let me ask you if something happens. I'm I'm not saying that Goddard and Arnold or the equivalent of Goddard and Zach Ertz when they were there. But if something was to happen to Goddard, would you, where, where would you put Arnold considering that he is a very good pass catcher in this offense? Yeah, I mean, he, because they don't have the depth at receiver and army of receivers that, that come at you, uh, you would have to think that, that he ends up being option three or four in the offense as well when, you know, in terms of the passing game. Uh, if something would have happened to God. And, and he's shown us in the past was his ability in the passing game. Um, the guy can catch the football, and he can move when he gets the ball. And going to the special teams, I agree with you about Arnold. Uh, when he's had the opportunity to stay on the field, he shows that he can actually not only catch the ball, but he could do some stuff uh, yards after catch as well. As far as special teams go, um, I think the number one thing that hurts Jake Elliott is the efficiency of the Eagles offense. Like if they're at fourth and one at the 35 yard line with that offensive line and Jalen Hurts, they're almost going to go for it all of the time. So you're very, they don't send them out there. And, um, and it's not because of the ability of the kicker, it's just the, the efficiency of the offense. So I'm not sure about Elliott in terms of inside the top 10. Uh, I'm assuming the Eagles are going to be ranked as one of the top defenses. Uh, I think there's going to be some regression to the Eagles defense this year, but I have to say just because of, you know, the, 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 the game script where you figure they're going to be in the lead in, you know, uh, have the lead in the fourth quarter of a, of a fair amount of games. Uh, they should be inside the top 10. What's your view on Elliott and the Eagles defense? Yeah, Elliott, to, to your point, just scares me because they're going for it with Jalen Hurts. And despite the fact that he did make five of six kicks from long distance, he just didn't kick the ball that much. He only took 23 field goal attempts, and that's the that's the killer for Elliott. Um, right. And so despite the fact that this is a good offense, the fact, the fact is it's an efficient offense. So it definitely hurts Elliott. So I probably have him outside the top 12 whiz, despite Eagles being one of the better offensive teams in the league. Um, on the defense, uh, so it, it's hard. <laughs> I mean, they had over 60 sacks last year, whiz. It's crazy. They, they, they had 27 takeaways uh, because of the disruptions that the defense is causing. But Hargraves moves on, uh, Gannon moves on, 
Um, they lost uh, C.J. Gardner-Johnson, who went to the Lions. They were able to keep Bradbury and Slay. Uh, they're going young with uh, Jalen Carter and Nolan Smith, who slipped down in the draft. But they still have good defensive players here, right? Hassan Riddick, Brandon Graham, Josh Sweat, Fletcher Cobb. I mean, this is a good defense, Wiz. Um, but it was a lot better later in the year, actually. Their sacks were big, but... There were some games, and I think you and I talked about this going to Super Bowl. We didn't have confidence in that defense. We felt that they were kind of, I don't know, we, they, they, their performance was kind of masked against some lopsided games as opposed to when they really played some good offenses. They, they kind of struggled a little bit more, and that's the way it played out. Now, maybe the field conditions and the shoes and stuff played part of it, but you and I were worried about it going in. Uh, we talked about it in detail. Hopefully people followed our lead on that one. Uh, as we were correct on that one. But, yeah, I could see them taking a step back for sure, um, especially given losing Jonathan Gannon as well to the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, I thought the defense was living a lie a little bit uh, last year, just considering, you know, how many inefficient and poor offenses they went up against backup quarterbacks. Um, So I'm expecting a regression. But in terms of defense one, um, do you think they should be drafted inside, let's say, the top Five to ten at defense. Uh, yes, I, I still do. I, I do still think so. Is yeah, for sure. Alrighty, uh, and, a, and a good point about uh, Jake Elliott as well. Just, just not. You know, you just ideally, you want to see a team that is so good and is in the opponent's red zone often, but they're just so efficient on third and fourth down. They yeah. just isn't a lot of opportunities for Jake Elliott, so uh, I'm probably going to look elsewhere at the kicker position. I think that happened a lot when Russell Wilson was at his best in Seattle, right? The Seattle kicker was never able to do anything because they were always moving the chains, right? They were, they, that, that's yeah. just the way it worked out. So uh, it is what it is. It's uh, Opportunities is part of it. So uh, that's it, Guru and Wiz Fantasy Football Podcast on the Eagles. And uh, we go one step further on the Turnpike, Wiz. We go down to Washington, D.C., new ownership uh, new quarterback, lots going on. The commanders are next. You got it.